Hey everybody, my name is Alexis Flores and this is Communications AF. Real talk, more communicating. Every single episode I'll be talking to some brilliant, influential, and kind new and old friends about personal life stories, career moves, and everything else. And tonight, we'll be talking to Alicia Doyle, an award-winning journalist who discovered boxing at the age of 28 when she was working on a story. For two years, she simultaneously worked as a reporter while training and competing as a boxer, making her one of only a few hundred women in America who broke barriers in this male-dominated sport. She went on to win two Golden Glove Championship titles, and her pro debut at age 30 was named the California Female Fighter of the Year. You can read all about her life and boxing career in her new book, Fighting Chance. Before we begin, this is a trigger warning that some talk about trauma, abuse, and domestic violence does occur during this episode. I know my book came out at the right place and the exact right time, even in the middle of the pandemic, especially in the pandemic, because I feel like this pandemic has been a standing eight count since March, you know, And, and we're all standing. Okay, can we survive? I don't know. Yes. I don't want to stay in this fight, but I know I got to stay in this fight and I know I'm going to come through on the other side Mm -hmm. and I know all of us will, um, but we got to stay strong and we got to stay resilient and we, we got to be vulnerable and share those vulnerabilities with each other to become strong. And we will get through this. I couldn't agree more. I know vulnerability is something that throughout the entire book, you just keep on giving and giving and breathing it again. Like I mentioned earlier, it's something that I was like, I'm going, I, I feel like I'm experiencing it right then and there with you. And um, you mentioned how you were going after big dreams and you you got a couple different championships, which is great. You now have your book out and you also just got a movie deal. Yes, and, and that was such a blessing and serendipitous. Uh, so yeah, my book came out on February 14th on Valentine's Day, and then in April, I connected with a woman named Slavika Bogdanov of Empowering Entertainment. It's her production company. We hit it off right away. Um, she she understood the value of Fighting Chance, so I I signed a movie deal with her within days. Um, she wrote she knocked out that screenplay within a matter of days, and so now it's in development for a feature film. And I couldn't be more. Um, honored to be aligned with this woman. And I'm proud to say that 10% of the proceeds from our film is going to benefit a nonprofit that serves battered women and or children. I love that. That's amazing. That's great. Um, you know, I know the, the, the movie is being produced right now, but there's even already, uh, what is it? <laughs> the movie poster out, which is pretty cool. And yeah. I was like, that is amazing. That looks like it's just going to be a great movie to watch. I can't wait um, to, to see it come to life and see the trailer and then go and see it. Wow, thank you, Alexis. I really appreciate that. Yeah, when Slavika designed that poster, I was like, holy cow, this is real. Like, this is yeah. happening. It's so interesting. You know, we'll have these visions for ourselves. And I mean, I actually have a vision board oh. that's surrounding all the fighting chance in the book. It has a, like a picture of an Oscar on there. It has movie deal on the vision board. These... <laughs> And then, was, you know, I made this board over two years ago, three years ago. And then this whole thing happened with Slavika Bogdanov and the film deal. And, and I hadn't looked at my vision board in a long time. And I looked at it and I was like, holy cow, it happened. 
So I tell you, you stay focused on things and you keep oh, yeah. envisioning yourself in, in, in the reality that you want. It will manifest. I'm oh, looking yeah. at these things work. Um, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer in speaking things into existence. Yes. And so I've created a couple of different vision boards. And um, now that's going to be like, that's my yearly thing of creating a vision board. And then whatever I didn't get to this year is just yeah. going to be added to the next year. And I think yeah. it's something that, oh, it just gives you great joy when you see it come to life. It does. And it's exciting making them and mm -hmm. the intention behind all the pictures mm -hmm. and the words that you select. And then, you know, looking at it every day, you know, when you, you just view it every day and you imagine these things in your present reality. And I tell you, if you put that concentrated energy in and you don't like to do it maybe a few minutes every day, it will manifest. Oh yeah. And I've been doing this my whole life. Um, you know, even when, when I got into the journalism world, um, I think it was a 19 years old. Um, I knew I wanted to be a journalist and I knew I wanted to work at the Los Angeles times because back then that was the biggest player in town. Mm -hmm. So I got a newspaper, a Los Angeles Times, and a Sharpie, and I wrote, I work here. Mm -hmm. it, it took two years, but two years later, I was working there. And I and love how you, you mm -hmm. manifested that every yeah. single month, I want to say, you would send them your portfolio <laughs> and clippings of your articles, and then they met with you, and they loved it. Yeah, that was, and that was so wonderful because yes, I for two years straight, once a month for two years straight, I sent them my resume and my clips and a cover letter. Mm -hmm. And so I finally got a call from them. This woman named Ann Branoff, um, she's wonderful. Went in, did the whole interview process. At the end of the interview, she told me what the job was and how much I get paid, etc. And at the interview, she's like, "Do you have any questions for me?" And I said, "Yeah, I wanted to know what took you so long to bring me in here." <laughs> She's like, frankly, and this is, she said, frankly, we wanted to know who this Alicia Doyle was, who kept on sending her stuff in once a month for two years. <laughs> so I tell I'm you, to bring that up, yeah. Keep your eye on the prize, you know, and keep, yeah. and keep plugging away. And, you know, and I got to also point out that I got that job at the LA Times before I got a college degree. So I only had a high school diploma when I was hired at the Times, but I knew if I got a job there, that I could learn everything. And I did. And then from there, I got hired on by other metropolitan papers. And it just, it just expanded from there. But yes, I believe we have, anything is possible yeah. with, with what we want. Oh, Absolutely. I definitely agree. It's funny you bring up the education aspect because um, reading it, I was like, I love the fact that she was able to jump to, um, from thing to thing to finally realize what it is that you loved. You went from I'm going to CSUN to the UCLA extension to a community <laughs> college and then there really realizing you love journalism and it was because you wanted you felt like you didn't have a voice or power and journalism gave you both and it's like um, I have a lot of friends who are journalist majors or broadcast journalism um, individuals already in the field is there any piece of advice that you can give them who, who just oh your first of all First of all, I'm so happy to hear that that young people are still involved in journalism and, and love journalism and are passionate about it. We we need people like that to to enter the journalism field. Um, I, I believe it's one of the most important jobs we could have, um, and it's a huge responsibility. Um, and that's those are things that that attracted me to the profession. I knew I could make a difference. I knew I could change lives. Um, I mean, yes, the power of influence, of course, but I also understood that, um, you know, the truth was important. Um, 
you, you could hurt somebody very badly with a bad story. Um, and, and, and on the flip side, you could help somebody, you know, tremendously with a good story. So I understood that and embraced it. And yes, that, that just became my passion. And, and um, yeah, going into the profession, I knew that I was never going to be rich. Uh, they, that's one of the first thing they told us is, if you want to be rich, don't go into journalism. Yeah. <laughs> I remember not caring about that in my 20s, you know. And then when I got older, I was like, wait a minute, maybe I should have been a plastic surgeon. I'm just <laughs> but, but yes, I, it's, it's a way to make a difference. Um, when you get that byline, your work um, is in the history books forever. That's very serious. You take that very seriously. But it, it, it's, it's a way to promote change and, and justice and um, to make the world a better place if used correctly. Yeah. And I believe young people, I mean, are going through so much and, and they're, they're, there's so much they have to process and deal with in today's world. And my heart goes out to them because, you know, it's my generation and, and that left this mess behind for all of you. So I appreciate um, the mindfulness of yourself and, and your friends and the ones that actually care. Yeah. And um, yeah, so my advice to journalism is just to, 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 keep, to keep their eye on it, to stay focused, um, to know that what they're doing matters. Yeah. And it will make a difference. Yeah, there was a passage, um, I wish I wrote it down, but it basically said how um, when people are in trouble, they don't call the police, they call the press. And I was like, yeah, that's true. When things go haywire in someone's life, if to get immediate action, sometimes they will just go straight to the press. It just gets the job done. Yes, you know? they won't cause, you know, sometimes, yeah. I remember a talk with um, my journalism advisors at uh, Los Angeles Pierce College. That's where I fell in love with journalism. But mm -hmm. they said, um, um, journalists can save lives like a doctor. You know, they can mm -hmm. serve justice like a judge. That's uh, they're the ones that said that when people are really in trouble, they don't call the cops, they don't call a lawyer, they call the press. Yeah, yeah. They threaten people with it. They threaten people with it. I'm going to the press. You know, there's a reason why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, um. so I have a couple of friends who are in the student um, broadcast class that's at Cal State University Fullerton. And um, this happened last year. So they won their first student Emmy this year. And it was the first of, of Cal State Fullerton, I think the first of the Cal State um, University system, which was amazing. And having those individuals go out there and report, um, do all the work, do all the behind the scenes, do all the produce, um, producing, and then see it come to life and get a whole bunch of, of coverage. I was like, man, that's cool. That's how you know things, things are definitely being seen and things are being changed because of the reporting that's going on. It, it really dates a passionate person to really go into journalism and then someone to get noticed through empathy. And I feel like that's exactly what, what great journalists have. Yeah. Absolutely. That is something common. You know, journalists, you know, they have a general, they're just um, curious yeah. and intrigued and interested. And of course we're fascinated by people. People are our subjects, you know, and, and, and it's a, it's an, a fun profession because it's like you're given this license to, to step into somebody's life, to, to step into their heart and their soul. And for those brief moments, they, they completely open the sense up to you and they trust you. You know, that's very, very special. And then they have to trust you to write these things down, to write their story down in your words and, and to immortalize them in such a way. Um, it's, it's an amazing responsibility. Oh yeah. It's very special. Yeah. And I know you were one, one of the few um, females in journalism when you entered as well, which was 
pretty cool to see you always being, again, a trailblazer in everything you really do. Um, but I actually have one question that um, yeah. I forgot to ask earlier, and it was, um, you mentioned how you weren't always the, the I guess, what was it, the best looking person you, uh, <laughs> when you were younger, you dealt with a couple issues um, being overweight and obese and how that was a struggle for you. Um, then you went into your job and went into boxing as one of the few uh, females in the industry. But there was a part where, um, I wanna say it was Robert, who you asked him to be your coach. And this one, yeah, this was a slap to me because I was like, man, this has happened multiple times to me um, in, different, in different capacities, different ways. But he, um, you asked him to be your coach and he was like, you're too pretty to be a boxer. And I was yeah. like, that, that was a slap in the face to me. I was like, he, did he say that? I was <laughs> 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 reading it and I had to reread that passage again because he said, no, don't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, no, of all people. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I'm certain now looking back, you know, that he didn't want me getting hurt. He understood mm -hmm. boxing was dangerous. I also don't think he realized how serious I was. And of course he came on board later when yeah. I started coming and he worked my corner and everything. But yeah, that was um, like a sucker punch. Yeah. Because here I was, you know, yes, I, yeah, I grew up in, yeah, I was, the, I was the fat kid. That's just, you know, the one that was bullied in school. For, yeah, right. So that was, it. you get it. So, um, so, so, you know, just because I grew up and like my hair grew and I lost weight, I'm still the same person, mm -hmm. you know? And so I do remember, you know, being in school and losing you know, 30 pounds that summer and going back and everyone treating me differently. And I remember, mm -hmm. even though I was a kid thinking, this is really effed up. There, mm -hmm. There's something not right about this. What? So I lose 30 pounds and you're nice. You know, nobody bullies me anymore. Like, but at the same time, it was like good for me to understand reality, you know, and unfortunately in our society, you know, sometimes heavy people are not treated as well as thin people. Um, but that said, you know, yeah, I got into boxing, you know, lost the weight and, you know, here now I wanted to be this incredible athlete. So when I was getting serious and Robert said, you're too pretty to box, you know, it just made me feel like, you know, what does my reflection in the mirror have to do with my ability to compete? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that was something I grew up with. This is, yeah, you know, what does the number on the scale have to do with my level of lovability? Mm -hmm. You know, it all kind of comes down to the same thing. So Robert saying that, I think he was trying to be protective, but I was offended. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I was <laughs> offended for you. I read that passage and I said, wow, this has happened to me in multiple situations. Um, and that's, I, that's why I brought up that part of, of you being younger and, and obese, because um, like you look at me and you're, you're, you don't think talk show host. And I've been told, <laughs> oh, you're just not the face for TV. And I've been told, like, you can't do it because you're you're just not the right size. Uh, or <laughs> and this was my favorite. Um, you have a great personality, at least. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> don't you love that? Yeah, hey, love it. Hey? Like, <laughs> you know, and and you know, people are gonna give you input. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of input and I still can continue to get input and and the one thing okay so I'm 50 years old now and um so I've, I've attained 50 years of wisdom and one thing I've, I've learned is that people are going to say whatever they're going to say based on whatever they know in that time and place 
And that said that when it comes to, they don't know nothing. Oh, yeah. And, and that, I don't mean that as a bad way. It's just like they're going to give us feedback, but whatever feedback they give us is based on their own construct of their own experience of the, from their point of view. It has nothing to do with us at all. Oh, yeah. What they're really saying is, I could never be a talk host, talk show host. Why do you think you could be? That's what they're really saying to you. Like, yeah. you know, when people would come up to me, you can't box. What they're really saying is I can't box. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, just it's like, so it's like, okay, you know, and especially when you're dreaming big, mm-hmm. um, there, of course, there's going to be people that are not going to believe in you and that's okay. So, so what I've discovered with that, especially with manifestation and, and wanting to build a big dream, I only align with myself with people with the same vision or people who are going to mm-hmm. support me. And that's a pretty easy thing to filter out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I look at you and I think you're fantastic. You have a wonderful voice, oh. a wonderful presence. You, you really are. And the, yeah, it's a feeling. So whoever said that to you, they're, they're just wrong. Oh, thank you. Just wrong, you know, it's like, you know, and, and think about it. If, you, if we quit every time somebody said you can't do that or you shouldn't be doing that, think about all the opportunities we, we wouldn't have taken on. And another thing is that if we quit because somebody else says we can't do it, we might be left with, what if I had? And then we might resent ourselves later or be angry at ourselves later. I can't believe I let that person talk me out of this mm-hmm. thing I want to do. We need to try it and then discover for ourselves. It's like, you might do the podcast for another year, Alexis, and then be think like, you know what? This really isn't for me. And that's okay, but at least now you know. Mm-hmm. I could have boxed and never fought and been like, okay, but I tried it. I didn't like it. Now I know. But see, if we don't try these things, how are we going to know about ourselves? You know, and that's, again, your book had so much relatability because I saw it in every single match. When things didn't go your way, you're like, I want to give up. This isn't for me. And then you would just, you know what? No, I'm going to switch it up. And you would go to a new gym, new coach, new new routine. And I was like, the discipline that everything just had to 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 do in order for you to achieve everything that you've achieved and and look where it led you to this book a movie deal and so much more hopefully an oscar too because it, it's definitely something that's eye-opening it's something that a lot of people feel the the need of telling their own opinion and then someone takes that opinion just to heart and they give up and a lot of people do that but i'm glad that people- you did it well, and I can't, it, it happened to me in my life as well. There were things that I wanted to pursue when I was younger and somebody say, you, you know, that's not for you or you shouldn't do that or what makes you think you could do that? And I wouldn't do it. And, um, you know, as I, now the person I am now, anything and everything I want to, I want to try, I go after because mm-hmm. the way I look at things now, it's like, if I fight, there's something I want. I think if I don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. Mm-hmm. And to me, like that's a 50, 50 shot, you know, and to me, those are pretty good odds. So anything that I want now, I go after and, um, and I'm thinking, what's the worst thing that can happen? They'll say no. And then you move on to the next thing. But, there, you know, if you keep this vision of yourself and you keep thinking about it and focusing on it, it's amazing. Like, it's like the universe will pull together all these cooperative components to bring your vision into reality. All we have to do is stay focused on it and stay positive about it and not be defeated by ourselves. Yes. That's the discipline. And I, I know I say it now, so it's, it's not always easy. But with more practice, we can get there and, and, it, and it works. Mm-hmm. It absolutely works. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I still have a lot to learn and I'm learning every single day. Even this interview is, is a learning curve for me, um, going into different topics that I've never dove into, um, asking questions I've never asked. It's, it's all a learning curve and I love it. Like I, I wouldn't stop asking these questions and while I'm doing it after I re- watch this, um, every single time I'm like, 
I could have done this better. I should have brought this here. And like, you, you just learn from it all. And, and instead of giving up, I, I like, I've noticed recently that instead of giving up, I like postpone it, take a breather, get back into it. Here's a new routine. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I noticed it with you too, which is why, again, I was, um, you know, and I'll bring this up. There was a review that I found online and it was along the lines of, this is a great book for women. This is a great book for boxers. And I was thinking back to it. I said, this is a great book, but this is a great book for everyone. I'm not a woman. I'm not a boxer. I'm not athletic. I'm not, if it was for that um, review, I wouldn't have read this book. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have liked it, but I did. I loved it. I was, it it related in so many different aspects that I can't even um, just talk about in this interview because it was just so much that I was like, this happened to me. I was like, oh my God, this is something that I can totally take in my life. There were so many um, life lessons that just don't apply to women. It applies to everyone. And I felt that that needed to be said. This isn't a book just for women. It's a, uh, it's a people's book. It's a, it's a book for people who just need to read and, and figure out something that's going on in their life. It's something that's, I felt healing even, you know? Wow. It, it just, it definitely was a fighting chance and I loved it because it, it felt like this is something I'm fighting for and I have to give myself that chance. And I'm glad that you did too. That, that's, that's, that means the world to me, <laughs> that you got it. And I appreciate that you got it because that, that was the whole, in, the whole intention behind the book is to help people mm-hmm. and to connect with other people. So, and, yeah. and it means the world to me that, that you appreciate it and that you've got it. Oh yeah. It's the entire vulnerability aspect that you put into this book of bringing every single demon that you've gone through um, or possibly not even every single demon, just the ones that really stood out, but putting that out there and understanding you're not alone and this possibly will, you know, resonate with someone else, with another um, woman, a man, a child, even like this, this was great. It was just everything that someone needs to read for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it, that it um, benefited you in some way. You know, there was actually, um, this is a question I, I, I loved, um, because it's something I love to ask. And it was something that when you were talking to your dad and you were doubting yourself and um, he asked you, are you proud of yourself? Are you happy? Ooh. And I was like, that's my favorite question. So I, I do want to ask you that. <laughs> are you proud of everything you've done? Are you happy? I, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. Um, I've, I've reached a place of, of, of grace, of, of peace. I, for the longest time I was pursuing happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I mean, you know, this was a part of what I needed to achieve, overcome. I was, I just want to be happy, but then it led to the, you know, what is happiness? And what I realized, I just wanted something solid, something that wasn't fleeting. And I, and I needed to figure out how to be happy and feel secure and love myself without anything on the peripheral. And um, that was something I discovered after I retired from boxing because when I was competing and when I was boxing, I felt like I had found a cure 
for all my depression, all my sadness, all my rage, all my insecurity. I really believed I found a cure because when I was competing, I felt like I was on top of the world, that nothing could hurt me. Um, I felt very powerful. But as soon as I retired, all those feelings came back. And I remember it being very devastating because here I was thinking I had cured this part of myself and it was still there in full force. And that's when I realized that boxing was as, as awesome as it was and, and, and uh, even though it taught me all these lessons, that it was a big distraction in a way as well from me really facing those things head on. So everything came full force head on. I had to reevaluate everything again. And then that, that's how the book evolved was just this, this understanding of evolution. Um, so am I happy now? I wouldn't say I'm happy. I'd say that I, I'm at peace. And, um, you know, those dark pieces, they're still there. They still mm -hmm. pop up every once in a while, but I've, I've gotten so much better at just managing those emotions because I realize, you know, that those are just emotions from the past. I'm not there anymore. I'm not even that person anymore. And so I try to honor them and I recognize them, but at the same time, I don't, I don't live them like I used to before. So that's brought me a, a, to a state of grace, a state of peace. Um, I'm still human. You know, I still struggle with those things, but I can manage them much better now. As I definitely result. think um, you mentioned this throughout the book. It's, it's mind over matter. And it really is, you know, uh, specific, like with depression, a lot of people go through it. I've gone through depression and it's always in the, like, it's there just waiting to creep up on you. Mm -hmm. And every person has a different style of, of how they control it. And it's just, you need to, to learn your own style. You need to really talk to yourself and, and ask yourself what it is it that you need. And wow. I, I think a lot of people don't do that. And I, I like how you were able to establish that relationship with boxing. This is what I need now, but afterwards, then you, you retired and you were able to establish like, this is what I need now. And you wrote this book and you spoke about it. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Well, I think it's remarkable that, you know, you being only 23 years old, that you're, self, you're so self-aware that you understand that, you know, what it, what it is you need. And, you know, and, and to be able to ask yourself those hard questions, um, that takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness. But, you know, every individual is different and we all have to determine that for ourselves. Um, you know, people that suffer from depression, it's rough, you know, mm -hmm. we know, um, they're, you know, and I, I call them spells or I call it, um, you know, the spiral of negativity. And so, you know, when it sucks me in, if, if I don't catch it right away, I can be sucked down real deep. Um, I still go to that place once in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm still triggered sometimes. And, um, I believe the only way out is through and, and it's difficult. Um, but what I do is I sit with it. And I just sit with it. I do nothing to, to dumb it down. I don't have a drink. I don't do anything. I, I sit with it and I allow it and I, I let it just flow through me. And then I always come through on the other side. If I just go through it and allow it, it will break. It does break eventually. Those times are hard, but it always breaks. And I always come through on the other side. Those moments of silence is, is I feel like when communication is at its strongest point, like you have to just sit there and listen and then hopefully understand and go through it. That's it. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a strong faith and a strong relationship with God and God has helped me through those, those times because I tell you when it hits, you know, I'll just be, I could be sitting in one position and not move for, for hours 
because oh, yeah. you know you feel so debilitated like there's this heavy veil over you and and oftentimes I can't even pinpoint what triggered it or where it came mm -hmm. from but I, but I also know that um, it's coming up for a reason and if I try to suppress it it's just going to make it worse and that's why I allow it I allow it and if I need to cry that's okay um I pray I'll tell God I'm suffering Mm -hmm. I'll ask for help. I'll ask for grace. I'll ask him to help me through it. And God always pulls me through it. Oh, yeah. So that's what's helped me. A lot of people think that there is, or that we know what the triggering point is, but sometimes we really don't. It just comes and it's like in the waves. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I also use my faith just to, to pray and, and talk to um, God, but also talk to myself and see what is it that I need. Well, and, and for you to be self-aware enough to, to understand that we need to ask ourselves what we need. Mm -hmm. um, because for a long time, you know, when, when, when I was younger, it wasn't asking myself what I needed. It was, mm -hmm. what does this other person need so that I can make them happy so they're happy with me? And this went on for years. Oh, yeah. And that's when I realized that no matter what I did to make somebody else happy, it's still, you know, it just, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, we mm -hmm. got to start with ourselves, honoring ourselves, you know, and then when we are our best selves, then we can give that away. Yeah. But it really starts with number one. We got to take care of ourselves first. Thing else I found, you know, and if people aren't aren't gonna like the new you, or they're not gonna like the person that puts themselves first, well, then they don't deserve to be in your life. Mm -hmm. They don't deserve you. I agree. You know, I mean, yeah, the people pleasing thing. Hey, I went through decades of that. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you, you never win. Oh, I know. Yeah live through it and, and you know and you yeah it, it, you can never do enough and I realized you know what I need to honor myself I need to please myself mm -hmm. and and you know I was I haven't been doing this my whole it's a few years but the more you do that you the stronger you become mm -hmm. and then the stronger you become the less you care about what anybody thinks so my relationship with myself and my relationship with God are, are the most important relationships in my life and then everything else actually falls really beautifully under that but when I, I notice when I put those things first because I believe mm -hmm. God wants us to put ourselves first because oh, yeah. God put us here. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, <laughs> wants us to be the best we can be. And, oh, yeah. And so, you know, God's got our back. So it's like, God's got my back. What do I need all those naysayers for? Yeah. So, you know, we, we got God in our corner. And, and hey, for not every listener, you know, not everybody believes in God. It doesn't, you know, whatever it is, if it's Buddha, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. I, 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 you know, what, if, if it means something to you. And if it helps you become a better person and you become that better person, then you can be better in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I agree. <laughs> I have had so much fun talking to you. I love everything. Again, if you have not purchased this book, if you have not read it, please make sure to go and do so. Fighting Chance by Alicia Doyle. It's such a great book and I recommend it for everyone. It definitely is a people's book. And um, before we do head out, I one of my favorite questions um, for the show is uh, my little tagline of you have to be blank AF too. And I would ask you to finish that. Okay. You have to be resilient AF to fight in the ring of life. I love that. I love that. I wrote Thank it you. down. I had to like the <laughs> It's like, I got to say something good for Alexa. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Hey, thank you for checking out this episode of Communications AF. To be kept up to date with the latest episodes, please subscribe here on YouTube or on your favorite podcast apps and follow us on Instagram at Communications AF. 
I hope to communicate with you all soon. AF.